hello and welcome to a new, it's been a while, a new episode of the Dramatic Dream Dragons Dramatic Specials. Today I have with me the wonderful Michelle. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, yourself? Uh, it's it's early. Now we, we talked for an hour beforehand. Yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm awake now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's always good to be awake. It's it's been hard to find like a date where we both could could make it work. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like it, life gets pretty hectic, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and also, you know, you're in Tokyo. I'm here in, in Switzerland. What mm-hmm. right now? Seven, eight hours apart. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Seems about right. Mm-hmm. Um. Michelle, as always, like first question, what can you tell us? What you're obviously a big a big wrestling fan. Um what do you watch? What do you like? What do you visit? Okay, so um nowadays like I guess I would say like I primarily watch DDT, but like I watch a lot of different um promotions, honestly. Like I started out with triple six like they were actually the very first wrestling show i went to um pr- uh, primarily because they had my favorite band as special guests so i went to see my band <laughs> basically at one of their shows and then i got into the wrestling as well it's just like wow i didn't realize wrestling could be like this you know this is in- this is insane i love it so yeah um of course triple six is always going to have a spe- very special place in my heart um after getting into triple six i kind of worked my way through like a lot of different companies so like i got into things like big japan and freedoms as well i still love those guys as well um i i watched um i watched a lot of union before it became pro wrestling Basara as well um I've been watching DDT on the like, live uh, in the venue on the regular since like 2010 or something. So I've been around for a while. <laughs> um, but you know, I also like watching a lot of like smaller indies from time to time as well. So things like um, Batos Cafe, uh, Fight of the Ring. Whenever I can make it to their shows, um, you know, there's a lot of smaller companies that I also really love. Um, like, I mean, I, I try to go to as much wrestling as my schedule and my budget allow. Um, Japan is currently in a recession, so my budget isn't going very far at the moment. But I still try to make it to a good number of shows, like as many as I can make it to. Um, but yeah, like even just like this week, I've got, let's see. Um, I'm heading to All Japan Pro Wrestling uh, on Tuesday evening, like after work. And um, on Thursday, I'm making it to a couple of big Japan shows at Ueno. Um, you know, like, when they do the shows, like in the kind of, it's a sort of outdoor theater thing that they do shows at sometimes. And like, it's just yeah. like really small shows, but they're a lot of fun. Um, but that's yeah. The, that's. Um... <laughs> The venue where they did uh, the beer garden shows this year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I um, I will be at the um, I'll be at some, um, a couple of the beer garden shows next month as well because like DDT, That's I've cool. got a couple, and yeah, like 
I'll be at one of them because it's on a Thursday, I think. Yeah. Um, I think I've got another one that's on a Tuesday, but I can't make it to because I'll be at work. Um, but I'm also going to Gantro's Beer Garden show there as well on the 20th. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening on the 20th because it's like a national holiday. So it's like it's like 20 different shows running at the same time that I want to be at. But like I've chosen yeah, Gantro. Always, <laughs> always the same. Yeah. <laughs> the deeper you go, the worse it gets. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just like the more you love wrestling, the more you hate the scheduling. It's just like... Yeah. Anyway, I want to be here and here at the same time, but I can't. Which one do I go to? Ah, kind of thing. Yeah. So um, you... that's the hardest part of it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So you only uh, started watching wrestling while already in Japan. For how long um, are you there mm. already? Yeah. So, like, I mean, I'd been in Japan for about three years before discovering wrestling. I was kind of just sort of, I mean, it's kind of weird. I don't remember much about what I did in my free time before I got into wrestling, to be honest. I think I was just kind of... It sounds weird, but it's very relatable. Yeah, and it's just like, it's hard to imagine my life without wrestling now. Like, if I suddenly Mm. decided tomorrow, like, okay, I'm never watching wrestling ever again. You know, like, I wouldn't really know what to do with myself, to be honest. I would just be like, okay, what now? Yeah? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, like, obviously wrestling's a big part of my life, you know, like, you know, because I spend a lot of my free time at shows or writing about shows or translating interviews or, you know, just, you know, doing something. I, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I do, even if I'm not directly at a wrestling show or watching wrestling, it's still actually about wrestling because like all the writing and stuff that i do okay yeah yeah uh so yeah like i mean it is like a pretty big part of my life like i try not to make it the only thing i like like i do have i funnily enough i do have a few hobbies that are not at all related to wrestling which is good you know like um i'm also into i like my video games and my comics and stuff like that so Mm. i am the biggest nerd you will ever meet (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's just like i mean to my left i currently have like a wall of manga and anime figures and wrestling dvds and retro toys Uh, they, they all go very well together I do, yeah. I mean, it just kind of makes a nice sort of, you know, it's just you just take one look at this one wall in uh, my room, and you're just like, yeah, this is this is definitely Michelle's room. Yeah. <laughs> but if that's a good I've... thing or a bad thing, it's like, well, that remains to be seen. It's not like I a lot o- of people see my room. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I own one single wrestling DVD, and yeah? you gifted me that one. <laughs> oh God, really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I gave you the retro media, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, the Team Drift uh, DVD. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I, I think, like, especially as a DDT fan, though, it's a good idea to hang on to these DVDs or even to seek them out at, uh, in the first place just because there's a lot of earlier DDT stuff which is, like, not anywhere near Wrestle Universe. I think I talked a bit to you about this when I gave yeah. you that DVD. It's like it's still totally worth having this DVD because I don't think 
of these matches are actually on Wrestle Universe anymore. Yeah, you know? there's like, so much stuff that yeah. was on DDT Universe that never made the jump to Wrestle Universe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a lot of stuff got lost, and I yeah. think that's such a pity. I mean, like, I mean, especially like, I mean, when I was re- writing my book, right? I so mm. much want to do more kind of match recommendations or like, you know, just be able to tell people about some of like the big title defenses or like some of the big shows or something. And like, I envisage, you know, just saying, okay, guys, so I've got this book coming out. Um, I really want you to watch these matches and these shows because they're all really amazing. And like, I think, you know, it'll be a good accompaniment of the book. And like half this, like I would say a good three quarters of the stuff that I wanted to recommend, it's it's not there. There's there's no way to yeah. watch it legally unless you have the DVDs, which is insane. <laughs> like I really wish I would bring back a lot of the, like the older matches because it kind of feels like basically like anything over like five years old or, I mean, and that's being generous, honestly. You know, like. If it's more than a few years old, it's probably not on there anymore. Like, even with, like, the big shows, you know, yeah, like, a it's... lot of the old, like, you know, the old um, Yogoku shows are nowhere to be seen, you know. Even, like, you know, the Saitama Super Arena shows and stuff like that, like, you know, there's no way to watch them. It's just, like, it's That's such really a pity, bad. you know? And it's yeah. just, like, I understand that, like, Mm. Um, storage is expensive. Yeah, and mm. hosting hosting a service like Wrestle Universe is not not free. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like, why keep all the really small stuff up? Um, like the current that just happens currently. Why keep the small stuff up for longer than a year, but and have nothing of the old? You yeah. like the big shows. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, there were a few points during the book where, like, I mean, especially one of, like, um, okay, so one of Muscle Sakai or, like, you know, um, one of Muscle Sakai's earlier, like, um, title mm. matches where he first won the extreme title, okay, it was a, a match against Nosawa Rongai, and it was the most insane match ever, and I wanted that to be, like, something I could recommend to people. But not being able to find it on Wrestle Universe anywhere, I had to basically. I have it on DVD, and I was just like, I want people to know this match, and I uh, ended up just yeah out like move my move essentially, or just like you know just trying to explain almost everything that happened in this match because it's just like it was legendary, but it's just like nobody is gonna have a chance to actually watch it unless they have this one specific DVD. And that's just sad, <laughs> you know, like, I kind of feel like, you know, for, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's even any, like, you know, shall we say, non-traditional ways of watching it online. <laughs> I, I, I bet you there is some, there is some porns out, out there that hosts it. Yeah, there's got to be somewhere that has it, but it's not it's like. It's so hard to find, yeah. Yeah. It'd look a bit weird to like, you know, recommend the high seas for this kind of thing, you know, like in a book. Yeah, about, like, totally. It, well, like, because I think, yeah, I was just, it would just made me quite sad. I mean, I, I was quite sad, like, when uh, writing certain parts of a book and being like, I want to go back and watch this match, but I can't. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you, 
it's good. You're you're talking about uh, that, about the book, and it's yeah. it came out rather recently. It's been a while now. Oh uh, yeah, it came out in November last year. Yeah, like exactly. I mean, yeah, um, it probably would have been out a little bit earlier, but I am somewhat neuro spicy, and things didn't quite get done by the time I mm. wanted them to get done by. Um, but you know, I'm I'm actually I'm very happy that it came out and like. The fact that I had the opportunity to write it at, at all is like a huge honor. Like, um, basically, Matt Charlton approached me like a few years ago, just kind of with this idea of writing a book about DDT and like the KOD Openweight Championship and the Extreme Championship and stuff. Um, it, it, originally, we wanted to write a bit more about pro wrestling Basara as well, but because they are like separate companies now, like it would have been weird to you know, write about Basara in that. So, I, I, yeah, we kind of just most of the Basara stuff and just, well, we had an introduction to Basara because it basically came out of the ashes of Union, which is also, like, yeah. quite a big part of, like, a lot of DDT stuff for a while. So, it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, pro wrestling Basara no longer, like, was not no longer under the Cyberfight banner, but it was a big part of the history and I felt like I had to be in there as well. So, there's a lot of stuff in there. Like I had to be quite selective with a lot of things, you know, just, and not only because of the titles I was writing about, because like I wanted to focus more on like people's like solo achievements and just focusing on those championships in particular. Um, I have said like if I want uh, if if um the opportunity arises to write a second book. The second book will focus more on the unit history and like all the storylines related oh, to like yeah. units and like, all the tag titles and stuff like that. But I felt like for the first book, it would be good to focus on the wrestlers as like individuals as much as possible. Of course, it's not always possible to completely have people as individuals, but it's like you know, like I wanted it to just sort of be like an introduction to each wrestler who has been a champion. In that way, if that makes sense, yeah. Totally. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. the the title is "Dramatic Dreams" and those who have them. Um, yeah. And it's such an amazing title, um, especially is, because yeah. you go. Matt, yeah, Matt came up with the title as well. Like, okay. I was just saying that goes hard. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, that title. and especially because you go like wrestler by wrestler, um, like in order yeah. of the, mm-hmm. um, of the, open weight title. Yeah, like, it's like it basically starts off as like um, in the order of the open weight title, and then it goes on to guys who have just been the extreme ti- um, title holders as well, because there's quite a lot of overlap between guys who have yeah, had yeah. the championship and uh, and guys who have been extreme. Uh, a lot have been both, so it's just like okay, so I can't just write about okay, here are the KOD open weight champions, here are the extreme. Yeah, that's not going to work. So it just kind of did like all, um, like, like you say, in the order of the KOD like, uh, Openweight Champions first, and then the guys who have just had the Extreme Championship. Yeah. So I mean, and like even just doing the research as well, like for each individual wrestler. Like, I mean, I've been at the DDT for a long time, but I learned quite a lot just by doing the research for this. Um, like, I mean, I am notoriously bad with dates and numbers and things like okay. that so i was like just obsessively checking and rechecking and cross-referencing 
any and all like, statistics and dates and anything like that to do with numbers for this bloody book. And I'm still not convinced that there aren't any mistakes. <laughs> but I did try my best to not have mistakes in there. But yeah, um, but you know, it was fascinating in a way just looking at you know how DDT has developed over the years, but how it's also like it stayed true to its own vision as well, you know. And it's just like, you know, and, and if anything, it made me love DDT even more than I already did, and that was kind of a lot. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a really rewarding experience. It was very difficult mm. in a lot of ways, um, partly because I set certain limits on myself, like. I decided basically like only to use Japanese sources because a lot of English sources seem to have relied a little too much on Google Translate. And especially back in the day, Google Translate was even worse than it is now. Um, so you can't always trust what it says or like, you know, it, uh, certain nuances or things missing. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to take it all from the Japanese sources, as much from official sources or like news, like, you know, Japanese like wrestling news sites and stuff like that. And just like any other books I can get a hold of. Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it's just like I wanted to like have, you know, I, I wanted to be able to show something different. Like, I didn't want to be the kind of person who just basically copies and pastes Wikipedia. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's not like Wikipedia is a bad source or anything, but it, there are quite, I mean... It's not quotable. Book, yeah, it's not really quotable. And also, while doing a research for this book, I realized just how many mistakes there are on Wikipedia. Guess yeah. what? There's a lot. <laughs> so, I was, there were so many um, points where I was just like, I'm so happy I cross-referenced that because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have caught how wrong that was. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, if I went around correcting all the mistakes I saw on Wikipedia or, like, on other websites as well, like, if I went around, like, just correcting those mistakes, I'd still be doing that right now. <laughs> it, would be, it would just be my life forever just being that one on the internet going well but, actually about DVD. but now it's easy because you can just cite your own book as a source yeah i can just be like hey <laughs> look at this thing i wrote yeah <laughs> but, you know, uh, it just comes up though i mean like because there was some kind of weird rumor going around about dan shokudino and it's just like i get that people you know, people like, outside of Japan, people can, can be kind of hit or miss with Dino, you know, like some people think he's hilarious and some people can't stand him. And it's like, you know, I get it. You know, like it's kind of hard to get Dino out of context. Yeah. And even in context, he's completely insane. But there was something that like somebody asked me about a while ago and it was something like somebody said something like, um, somebody in DDT created the character of Dan Shokudino to make fun of a gay wrestler in DDT, which is bullshit, you know, cause because Dan Dino is... was a thing even before he was anywhere near DDT. Yeah, he was because he's gay. Was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's just like, it's, it's just like the amount of misinformation and just made up nonsense, you know, like just cause, 
people want to be the one who say like, oh, I found this story about somebody or like, oh, I did this, this and this. Uh, I'm the one who broke the story about this guy. Mm. But it's just lies, you know? It's just like, yeah. why go to that much effort just for clout? I don't understand some people on the internet sometimes, you know? Especially when it's something that is pretty easy to disprove, you know? <laughs> it's just like, you know, just if you don't like them, don't watch them. Don't try to besmirch the guy's reputation or whatever just because no, you no, don't no, like no. them. Leave alone. Watching <laughs> the winner match yeah. was amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, because this is the thing. I think people don't... I mean, the Dino haters basically don't appreciate this about Dino, that he is as beloved and respected as he is for multiple very good reasons. And that kind of match mm. is one of many reasons why, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, say what you will about his gimmick or whatever. Like, you know, he... Like, everybody uh, in the audience at a DDT show loves Dino to pieces, you know, it's just like, yeah, he's, he's a constant, you know, like, you know, he does some really weird shit sometimes, but it's just, you know, we expect that from him, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you either get him or you don't, you know, and it's like, I feel like it's easier to get, um, like, if you view him in context of, you know, like his history with DDT and like, you know, how he has gotten to where he is now. Yeah. And like his story is really interesting anyway, you know, like, I mean, just, I mean, a lot of the guys in DDT have just like hidden depths or like kind of backstories that you would never have known really, you know, like, and like, that was one of the things that I wanted to get across in my book was just like showing you know everybody's background and like how they got to where they were and i know it sounds like a really obvious thing you know with it being basically like a history book you'd expect that kind of information but i really do feel like it's the kind of thing that's easily overlooked when it comes to wrestlers because with wrestling being as ephemeral as it is and like you know like stuff that happened like two months ago is already obsolete you know that kind of thing it's it's easy to forget like how wrestlers get to where they are you know like i mean if you look in the, uh, the section about shuji ishikawa i mean bloody hell that guy went through so much to mm, get to where he yeah. is now and it's just like and like kenoka kenoka god bless him like he was i i had to get him in the book like he was only kod openweight champion for something like five minutes or something but i like writing about him was just gloriously good fun you know <laughs> just like all the stuff that he went through and like you know up until like you know from like the whole ko revolution stuff up until like him basically being expelled from DDT and stuff like that and being told to start his own promotion and everything. And just, you know, it's just like, there's so many guys with such fascinating stories and a lot of people are just so unaware of them or like they've never yeah. heard these before. I think you, you did a really good job because uh, when yeah. I read the book, um, as a relatively recent fan, um, yeah, I was like uh, multiple times. I was like, "Oh yeah, that actually totally makes sense." 
Yeah. Um, with with the this background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff in there that would surprise a lot of fans who are sort of only get uh, getting into into it in the last few years. Like, I mean, I I one of the things that I love being reminded of because like I did actually watch a lot of this stuff live. Like, um, when Keisuke Ishii was a heel, and it's just like people would never think of him as like an out and out heel nowadays, but. <laughs> There was a time in DDT when people hated him so much. He got booed into oblivion every other match, you know, and it was just like, he was such a giant swinging dick to everyone and it was brilliant, right? But then he lost everything, you know, he lost all, like, his championships and stuff. And he started questioning himself like, okay, I must be lacking something as a wrestler. Which led to those, like that series of matches he had where he was basically trying to find himself and he was trying to ask his opponents like what he was lacking. But unfortunately, his opponents were all wrestlers who famously can't talk. So like oh, Yoshihiko and like Tomoaki Homa, who gave mm. this really amazing, very emotional, beautiful speech to him. I, at least that's what we assume he was trying to do, but nobody could understand a single bloody word he said. Because he's Homa. So, you know, it was just, you know. But then people started warming up to him. Because he showed that kind of vulnerability, like that kind of weakness to, in his character, like he wasn't like this big tough guy he was setting himself up to be. And like he wasn't necessarily a bad person. He was just like, you know, he just didn't understand who he was. And like, you know, gradually, the, like people stopped booing him and like start, they started coming around to him and actually supporting him. You know, like, you know, and like, I think people forget, like, that kind of character de- de- development happens with a lot of wrestlers. Yeah. And it's just... as, a, as a fan, somebody, someone getting over just because mm-hmm. they're too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. always such a satisfying moment. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, like, I kind of wish, like, there was sort of more references to, or like there was more ways of seeing. Cause like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the history of DDT that would probably shock a lot of people just getting into it. Like for example, Harashima being a heel. Okay. Harashima is a heel was the greatest thing ever, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> but if you compare that, those, and like, I wish I could tell people to compare his heel t- uh, era with his current, super fluffy friendly uh, um you know uh, thing going on i'd love to be able to tell people to compare those two eras but i can't because his heel work is nowhere on wrestle universe mm. again <laughs> boo <laughs> so yeah um, or even that, hero nobody knows what hero was good hero was amazing and it was a hero and it was dark side hero and I saw them both on a show once, and like this was like relatively early into my DDT fandom, and I I was like I saw Hero and Darkseid Hero in a match, and I just thought this is like something out of Disgaea, <laughs> you know? This is the most amazing thing. It's like watching a video game. I love this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like yeah, so like, Darkseid Hero was so much fun as well. Like I just. You know, like, there's so much I want to be able to point people towards, and it's just not there anymore. Like, you know, just, I mean, 
I, you know, just, I mean, I, I, apart from, hey, guys, have you heard of Yahoo auctions? Go there, get some really old DET DVDs and come back to me because you will have such a good time with them. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, like, I am, it's good that DDT is so much more accessible now because, like, when I was first like, getting into DDT, like, if I missed a show, I basically didn't have any way of watching that show mm, unless yeah. it came out on DVD or if I managed to like catch it like somewhere else because like I I don't I don't have samurai TV like I don't have cable TV or nothing like that. So I if I missed a show then that was it. Like I could see the results on uh, DDT's website but I couldn't actually watch the matches. So like you know, you had to make a lot of effort back in the day to keep up with what was going on. Like, sometimes I would go to a show and and just think, wait, oh, he's the KOD Openweight Champion now. Okay, good for him. You know, <laughs> when did that happen? You know, I hit up a website. Oh, right, that was last week. Dang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so, yeah, like, you really had to work really hard to keep on top of everything that was going on, like, back in the day. Like, I'm making myself sound so old. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's, like, you know, like, it's, it is, I, I am actually really grateful that Wrestle Universe is a thing now, you know, like. Oh, yeah. I don't need to worry so much, like, if I do have to miss a show because I'm, like, at work or something like that, because, like. The last couple of Shinjuku face shows were on Wednesdays, and like, you know, there's no way I can get to them because obviously I yeah. work in the evening. So, like, I was really happy like those shows are on Wrestle Universe, you know, because obviously it makes it easier to catch up with stuff and like, you know, catch over little details and stuff like that. Whereas back in the day, you would maybe get the results and maybe you might find the odd interview or something somewhere that you could sort of fill in the blanks with, but it was hard. <laughs> yeah. So like, it was nice kind of going back even to like a lot of matches that I actually attended back in the day because mm. there was, there's no way to rewatch those shows at the minute. And then like, you know, just sort of like, going back, even just like, thinking about it, I was just like, oh yeah, I was there for that match. And there's like all these memories came back and it was just it was a really nice feeling, you know, just I, having been there for so much of that stuff. That's funny. I like um watching matches back that I've attended live way more than yeah. just watching matches that I saw on tape anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely, because it's like sometimes you see things like I mean it's like when you're watching a match live, you often notice things that do not make it to the recording. But then exactly, also yeah. recording was stuff that you missed when it was live, you know, either because they were like on the other side of a ring and you just couldn't see them or, you know, just odd little things that, you know, they sometimes record that you just don't notice, you know? So like you get to see like from, uh, you know, more than one perspective in like a you know, couple of different ways, you know, it's just, you know, it, you get so much out of this. Yeah, it's actually, it's so much fun. Misha. <laughs> um, yeah? Can you explain something to me? Sure. Because you were obviously way more of, first of all, you saw it live, but you were also just like the target group. And I definitely yeah. wasn't. 
Um, and it's a thing of the past. So we have like the full yeah. picture. Sure, sure. Can you explain to me the pheromones? Yes. We, because we talked a little oh, bit no. about Dino. <laughs> we talked a this little bit about Dino. Interesting thing, because I mean, I know, like, uh, when the when the pheromones fell apart and like you know they were forced to split up, Eno did mention something about essentially having been brainwashed by Dino in, like, yeah. to join pheromones. But I mean, it's like there is evidence for and against that, but like it definitely seems like Eno. I mean, Imanari definitely joined of his own accord, but like it was in the beginning, it was just Dino and Eno, really, wasn't it? So yeah, um, yeah. So the pheromones, very interesting, guys. Uh, of course, it was almost like an extension of what Dino was already doing, but kind of taking it to its logical extreme. And like they even did an interview in Weekly Pro Wrestling where they explained their philosophy in a lot more detail than we got in any of the like backstage comments or anything like that. But essentially it was all about pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable and like what people wanted to see. Because like it's very interesting that you know like you can see all kinds of stuff in wrestling. There's so much violence and like so much crazy stuff that happens. You know, there's like obviously it's deathmatch wrestling. You know, you get wrestling where, where the main draw is the blood, essentially, <laughs> and that's generally seen. Like on the whole, like it might be seen as a bit strange, but it's basically acceptable. But then, like a lot of the sort more sexual stuff that the pheromones brought into it, you know, there was that kind of debate. Like, is it okay to show this kind of thing? Because a lot of the stuff that they were showing. It was like lots of bum and dick jokes, basically, but it wasn't full on, like, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it's very difficult to explain the appeal if you like. It's one of those things you kind of have to be there in a way. Because <laughs> it's like, it's just so shocking, but at the same time, it was hilarious to a lot of people. Because you got to understand, like, the Japanese sense of humor, you know, like, it's very, if you watch a lot of Japanese comedy, a lot of it is very physical. It's very slapstick, you mm. know, like it's not subtle, put it that way. So like, in a way, pheromones ticked all the boxes for that kind of thing. And okay. they were hugely popular. Like they were so over yeah. with the fans, especially just because like, they were funny and like, even like their photo sessions, I mean, um, when Pheromones had their final match at Korakuen Hall, like, I don't know if you saw the picture that I had taken with Dino and Dino after that. Um, Maybe. <laughs> yeah, basically in one of their moves. So, like, my, my right arm was between Dino's legs and my left arm was uh, between Eno's legs. And, like, they were yes, both, like, yes, both I saw that. Forcing my head down and, like, it was just so much fun, even like the anticipation waiting for that, because like everyone was lining up, and then occasionally someone would go in, and all you would hear would be blood curdling screams, followed by laughing, you know, and everyone was just like, "What the hell are they doing to people?" <laughs> Same with like a pheromone house and stuff like that. 
because I feel like one of the big appeals was there was the taboo of the whole sexualized stuff mm. because I mean, I know there's a whole stereotype about, you know, weird Japanese porn and stuff like that. But on the whole, people in Japan are still kind of repressed when it's when it comes to talking about sexuality or sexual things. So seeing that sort of thing happening in a wrestling ring was like just it was just amazing to see. It was just like oh my god, they're doing that there? <laughs> That's brilliant. You know, so I feel like that was maybe part of the appeal was like, you know, the whole boundary smashing of it all. You know, like just, you know, trying to like open up that dialogue like, yeah, why is it okay to make someone bleed in a ring, but it's not okay to, you know, shove your ass in someone's face in the ring, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, like, what makes one more acceptable than the other? <laughs> yeah, and, like, I mean, like, a lot of the time, those nuances were very much not there. <laughs> but it was funny, and it was kind of shocking, and, like, it also made for some really amazing photographs, you know, like, and possible people getting shadow banned because of, like, on Twitter, because of yeah. posting too many things, yeah. But it's, like, put it this way like i still my twitter account still occasionally gets randomly like a lot of activity by people just discovering my pheromones pictures for the first time and just... most of them are probably being stolen by pawn bots as we speak <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um i <laughs> i have this one uh, tweet about harashima and coach takeda doing like a flex Flex off uh, with stockings oh, yeah. over their heads. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it was extremely fun, but that gets yeah. random, random likes every now and then. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, like one thing I really, really twisted my tits about this whole thing, pheromones thing was like every other time I would tweet a lot about the pheromones, you'd get this. Uh, there'd always be at least one guy tagging their good friend Jim Cornette and that guy would get banned uh, he would get blocked of so fast I mean you know, they could like, try I that with me but this. Cornette couldn't see it yeah you know just it was just like <laughs> I mean that would just be yeah, I don't like people snitch tagging Cornette and things on Twitter anyway, but it's just like, you know, we're just having fun, you know? This, yeah. It's a lot of fun for us. We're enjoying us. We're clearly having a good time. You know, why would you want to wreck that for us by snitching on us to Jim Bloody Cornette of all people? <laughs> you know, because you know Cornette's not going to like it. He's not going to have a good time either. Just leave a poor old bastard alone. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, you, I mean, um, to mm -hmm. the pheromones because, mm. like, I agree that it just works way better in person. I had a lot of fun watching the pheromones when I was in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> and I I came came back home and I saw them on screen again, and I was like, uh, I don't need this. It's um, one of those. I feel like you do sort of in a way experiencing them in person helped a lot. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah. 
<laughs> Another thing was just like they were very repetitive, and it's just a joke that doesn't lend itself to being repeated. Yeah, I think it was more like they had a lot of variations, but it was variations on a very similar theme. You know, so it's like they knew enough, they knew just enough to mix it up a bit. So, like, there would, there would be something unexpected in the matches. Like, say, like, for example, when they brought out, like, the um, fire extinguishers and stuff like that. Or, like, when Akito got involved and, you know, stuff like that. So, it would always be just enough to sort of make it a bit different every time. I feel like it's one of those gimmicks that wouldn't have been a very long-lasting gimmick anyway. I kind of feel like, you know, like it was planned obsolescence in a way. <laughs> Just making, you know, having them split up when they did. Because I feel like, you know, if they had gone on for too long, they wouldn't have been remembered so fondly. You know, like I do get that, you know, like, you know, like, a lot of people maybe wouldn't have, you know, wanted to see like a very similar thing much more often than that but i feel like ending them when they did end them was actually overall it was a good decision and it it, it allows them to like move on to different things and like develop their characters further because it's like there's only so much character development you can do with a group like the hormones like you know and I, and I feel like it's good especially for Yuki Ino who's still like you know he's still very young and still sort of you know establishing himself yeah, so I kind of feel like, you know, I was sad when the pheromone split up, but it was necessary for him to do so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. Um how are you on, on them now? Because to me, Eno now in burning doesn't do too much uh for he, me. I mean that's but, that is something that is a slight concern is that you know like Eno isn't getting as much attention as he was when he was in the pheromones. I feel like, mm. you know, all eyes were on him when he was Yuki Sexy Eno because what he was doing was so different and also so sexy, you know. He's not bad to look at. But, you know, like, I mean, I just, I hope that they do more with him going forward and, like, basically give him something notable to do or something that makes him stand out i mean yeah, he doesn't because... become sexy again but they need to do they sort of need to do more with him yeah you know? like, i feel like you know he's only he hasn't been in burning for that long so like they still have time to work on it and to flesh things out I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him, but I hope they do something kind of substantial with him because he is talented, you know, he's a, you know, and like, he's a big tough guy, you know, he's, I feel like he's more than capable of becoming like, even like KOD openweight champion within the next couple of years, but they need to know, like DDT needs to know what they're doing with him, you know, and they need to be able to push him in a way you know, that gets more eyes on him. Because Dino, on the other side, has basically gone back to what he was before Pheromones. Yeah, although but I he feel feels like... He feels so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like, like with Dino, it's like, if you just, if you'd only heard about him in passing, or if you've only seen GIFs of him on Twitter or something, you would be forgiven in a way for thinking that he's just like a one-joke pony. You know, like, mm. oh, he's 
this guy who he kisses his opponents, her, 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 you know, kind of thing. But like, there's so many layers to who he is and what he does. And like, even when like, you know, he's being Dino, you know, like it works for him. And it's like, he is actually a very capable wrestler as well. And I feel like a lot of people forget that about him. So like, I love seeing him whenever he gets a chance to do a main event. It's always a very special thing because people are very, very quickly reminded of why he is where he is in terms of like his position in DDT and like his position in the hearts of DDT fans. It's like, it's a very complicated thing to have to explain but sometimes like once in a while he'll have a match and you'll just be like okay i get it yeah i i understand why people like him so much you know so i love it when people are reminded like that <laughs> yeah and i like but now like dino like if you if you ever have to have a chance to talk to dino you know he's he's a sweetheart as well like he's mm. like he's to his fans and like he's not about like, multiple times service. I mean like I've got some pictures with Dino I mean, there was this one where he basically pushed me up against a wall and his face was like centimeters from mine and I was just like oh oh god what's happening and then they took the photo and he was like okay take care see you next time I was like ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there Mm-hmm. Is there like uh, a wrestler or a unit or maybe uh, like a time frame that isn't that well known, but you could just talk about for hours? I mean, I feel like I I kind of wish it was like I mean, a lot of it is going to be stuff that I wish I could talk about for hours, but it's also going to be a good fifty percent of me going. I'm really sorry I can't show you any of these matches, but anyway, this is what happened. Mm. <laughs> A lot of it was just me doing a soliloquy, like trying to describe each match in detail from what I remember of each match. But I mean, I feel like the original Disaster Box runs are very much worth looking at because it does. They were heels, right? Yeah, originally they were like heels, and like Harashima was an absolute asshole to everybody in DDT, and it was glorious, you know. So, you know, he was just such an unrepentant dickhead and it was just like it was it was the most amazing thing like especially if you only know like if him from like the last few years you know because like basically and and when he switched face you know he stayed face you know like i don't think he's had you know like an actual proper like run as a heel like in such a long time because he's just so bloody endearing the way he is now. So it would be a mistake to do that really. But mm. he was so entertaining as a heel and like his whole interactions with Toru Owashi and the other members of the OG disaster box as well was like really interesting. And then like, even like when they got back together, like, you know, cause we, um, like for, for the most recent version of disaster box was basically like the third iteration or something like that because they did split up and then they got back together later and then they split up again, you know, like it was a whole, it was a whole thing about it. Yeah. So, um, but I, I feel like, you know, those early days of disaster box, like, you know, looking at their matches around then that, so that was a lot of fun. Also like the NWJ stuff, was great fun as well like because uh, Bennett was like 
you know, it was basically an attempt to push Soma Takao. And that was a lot of fun, actually, because he was, again, an unrepentant dickhead to everyone. And that was like, in, you know, when um, he fed, you know, he fed dog food to Daisuke Sasaki and stuff like that. And it's like, it's a lot of lore that is tied into like NWJ stuff. But then again, there's a lot of lore that's tied into a lot of like the older unit stuff because, you know, a lot of the guys in the older units are still there, <laughs> you know, mm. but it's just, yeah. And then it gets like, if I have a chance to write this second book, it's something that I really want to get into because there's an awful lot of stuff in DDT, which is tied into like a lot of stuff that happened in the past. And it's like, it's not so much that it's necessary to know, but it does kind of enhance it. Like when you know that stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, like, especially, you know, just like when it comes into things like certain title matches or something like that, you know, it's good to know, you know, stuff like, okay, this guy used to be teamed up with this guy and then that fell on its ass and then they did this, this and this, you know, and, you know, just, it's nice to have that extra context going into certain matches because as good as, I mean, that's one thing I do appreciate about DDT, like, um, they often do um those like the v- the VTRs that they do before the big matches, where they have the clips of the older matches and like to illustrate like the long running relationship between the guys in a match or whatever. Like I feel like that is brilliant. Like I feel like that does give a lot of insight to the history of the match, and I feel like a lot of people underestimate how good DDT storytelling is because a lot of like you know there's a lot of stuff that happens in DDT which is connected to stuff that happened like a decade ago or longer (laughs) and it's just it's really fascinating as a fan just like learning about all that sort of thing or like you know just even just it's one of those things that you think about like Dang, I wonder how this guy feels about fighting this guy because back in the day, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's just, I feel like it's something, uh, you know, it's it, it just enhances your enjoyment of the whole thing. Like, even if it's something that you're already looking forward to because it's going to be a banger of a match anyway, the more you know about it going in, like, the more it's going to kind of affect you on an emotional level. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, t- I, it's times when I'm in Korakuen Hall with tears streaming down my face when the VTR is playing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like, it's all too much, man. It's, it's like, they've come such a long way and they've done this, this, and this. And it's just like, all the memories come flooding back or it's just like, you know, I'm reminded of stuff that happened between them and it's just like, yeah, this is a really beautiful thing that's happening right now. Why isn't everybody crying? And why am I the only weirdo? You know, I want there to be more weirdos who cry before the main event of DDT shows. So, you know, that's more motivation for me to like get on, like, to like thinking about the second book because it's like, you know, it just, it's, it's a lovely thing, you know, like, you know, like I would put DDT storytelling like against anyone else's because. I mean, they do it so well, you know, but, mm. you know, like, like I say, like, it's, it's just really hard to just 
you know, I, I mean, this is always going to come back to the please put older things on Wrestle Universe DDT, we miss it kind of thing, you know, because I want to be able to point to something and just I want to recommend matches where it's just like, you will not believe that this happened, right? And it's just yeah. like, you know, I want people to see it for themselves rather than me having to ham-fistedly explain it what happened during a match like I did in a few times in my book, you know? Cause, <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it's natural to want people to see, like, formative matches like that, yeah, because... You know, like, I mean, a lot of DDT storytelling is very, very gradual and very, very long term. And like when it hits, you know, it hits hard, you know, which leads to Michelle crying in the club. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, one group that we sadly don't have too much about um, from them. Mm. Yeah. Um, but we had a reunion shortly uh, from them. Oh, um, I'm uh, wondering if you could tell me a bit more about uh, NWA. Oh, NWA was amazing. Okay. So, I mean, it all started actually. Um, so, Makoto uh, Oishi tagged with Shinma a lot as a, a unit called Cat 2, which, um, um, which was na um, named after like a Japanese idol group. So, they had the idol stuff happening already in a way, but they just, it was just a name to start. And um, they then brought uh, Mao into it. And then they sort of just went, you know, we were already kind of named after idols anyway, why not have a third and then actually do the idol thing, you know? like And like NWA was, it was one of those things that, it was very popular, but I still feel like they could have done a bit more with it. Because they actually did release like singles and albums and stuff like that, and like you know you could go to NWA gigs. Like I went to see NWA like doing like these tiny little gigs in basements in and around Tokyo, which was you know it's like it was actually like following an idol group who just happened to wrestle as well, you know. So like. You know, that obviously are tied into a lot of in, um, things that people are interested in anyway. And it was with, like, obviously, Macorian, who has always been someone who has been very beloved by DVD, DDT fans. And the fact that it, it brought Shunma and Mao, like, more into the, the spotlight as well was, like, a really amazing thing. Like, they did a lot of really fun stuff together. And... You know, it was just it was just so much fun following them as a fan and like seeing what they did inside and outside of shows. You know, like I mean, I still have NWA's songs like on my phone from having ripped them <laughs> off the CDs that they sold at the venue. I, I mean, if I look like yeah, to my left somewhere, I actually still have the CDs. You know, oh, <laughs> like, glorious. Yeah, like, I mean, it was, it was, you know, like, they really did play up the idol side of things quite a lot as well. The one thing I wish that they had done was, like, I wish they had actually made music videos. Because like, oh. they didn't have any official music videos of their songs, but they would, like, perform them at shows, yeah? Yeah. So, like, you know, the entrance or something, you would get, like, obviously part of their songs would be, like, their entrance music and what have you. You know, so 
you know, they were a lot of fun to watch. And I, you know, they got the choreography down as well. And that was a beautiful thing to see. And like, you know, even some of the stuff that they got up to during our matches was like a really just fun thing. I mean, oh my God, I was there for the NWA versus the Brahmin Brothers. Oh my God. Like, have you seen that match? I have not. It sounds I, absolutely wild. It, it was. Um, basically, um, it was just really like, the most terrifying and hilarious experience I have had as an audience member. Well, one of them, anyway. It's at least in the top five. Um, the Brahmin brothers were at one point chasing Shunma. I think we were chasing Shunma and Mao around with a squid, um, an actual squid. Okay. Then <laughs> they ran into the absolute mad lads. Ran into the audience with a squid. You've never seen so many people getting up and running for their friggin' lives, right? Because every like, all, <laughs> must be women, obviously. So like everyone was just going like, ah! <laughs> like running away from a squid, and like you know, they came up to like my side as well. Like you know, so I had to get up and run. I was just like, I'm not getting squidded, nope. And eventually, I, if I recall correctly, they ended up smashing the squid into Yuki Ueno's face. Yeah. Like, he got it bad. Right? Um, and it was just the <laughs> wildest thing. <laughs> you know, like, there was already a lot of, of stuff on the line in this match anyway, because, like, like, they were at the point where, like, NWA wanted to split, like, part of the storyline was NWA wanted to split up because they were tired of being idols. But with DDT being, like, the evil idol management company, they weren't letting them split up because they were too popular. <laughs> so they said, like, okay, if we lose this match, you know, we will be allowed to split up, right? You know, or that kind of thing. Um, or, oh, no, so if we win this match, we will be allowed to split up or something like that. Oh, man, what happened to my memory? Basically, like, they had a stipulation where they would be allowed to split up. And um, it was, you know, so there was a lot of stuff happening, like, going into the match as well. And then, what actually happened in the match was just like absolutely bonkers. And then, you know, after that, they were allowed to split up finally. They were freed from evil, oppressive management. <laughs> yeah. And it was That's just, funny. yeah, it was so much happened. It was like so many things happening. You know, like, you know, you know, when you're watching something, like, even if you're just watching it like um, at home, and it's like, there's so many things. <laughs> And you're just like, you're not sure which way to look, but you're loving it anyway. <laughs> it was that kind of match, you know, it was just like, it was just, yeah, absolutely. And it was just insanity, you know, I kind of wish there was more like that. I mean, I think, I mean, that was another thing that people liked about the pheromones as well. Going back to them was just like, you know, a lot of the stuff that they did was kind of wild and crazy and unpredictable like that, you know? So, and like, this uh, the quote unquote threat of audience participation as well is always fun, you know. So anything that has <laughs> yeah, like, audience activity and everything like that, that's always going to be like you know that's always going to go down well, you know. So like uh, you know with the Brahmin brothers, like with the squid as well, like people were bloody terrified of the squid coming anywhere near them, but it was also really, 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 really funny, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
and then when the Wendell finally got hit with it, it was like, oh god, oh no! Like he immediately got so much sympathy from everyone in the audience, and I think like that actually led to like quite a boost in his popularity because poor guy had a squid in his face. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, like this is another thing I, I'm gonna have to check to see if it's there, but. It's got to be somewhere, you know, go looking for it. Yeah, so Brahmin Verbus versus NWA was a lot of fun. Um, I, I mean, like, it's another one of those things where it's like, you know, like, it was very sad when they split up, but they obviously had good reasons to do so. And, like, they all, they've all gone on to do, like, really, really well for themselves. So, like, you know, I'm going to call that a success story, you know. That is, like, you know, that was... You know, a very interesting way of getting more eyes on people who needed more eyes on them, and like it worked yeah. so well. Yeah, you know, so like I really love when DDT gets particularly like creative, like that. Even with things like you know, with like the whole idol and wrestling thing. I mean, like it seems like, I mean, a lot of it seems kind of obvious, but at the same time. You know, there's a difference between having obvious parallels and then actually running with that as well. Yeah. So, you know, they had the balls to run with it and just go, you know, what we're having these guys being an idol group, you know. But actually, well, having that match against the Brahmin brothers who were ex-idols themselves was actually a stroke of genius, too. So, yeah, that was just so much fun. <laughs> So, I didn't yeah. actually know that the Brahmin, Brahmins were idols. Well, okay, it's... have you seen have you seen the picture of them? Like, okay, I'm gonna have to try and hunt down this picture to send you later because okay. there is a picture that makes the rounds on Twitter from time to time, and it's from the time when they were idols, and and it's just they are they were called like the sailor boys or something like that and like, the robots were sailor boys yeah um so hang on i, I know the sailor to... boys oh oh <laughs> do you now yeah okay so yeah i mean i'll get the picture to you like just to like make sure my memory isn't failing me i'm pretty sure yeah um but they looked very different back in the day. It's um, quite a marked difference from what, how they are nowadays. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was a fun time too. Yeah. Oh, um, I only knew that uh, Tachi Shimori was in the Sailor Boys. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was Ishimori and, well, the, and the Brahmin, Brahmin brothers. But, yeah. Yeah, but then I think they were still going under, like, uh, Kei and Shu Sato at the time. So, yeah. According to Cage but, Match, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so yeah, this was like pre Brahmin Brothers. Um, but you know, that what is that one picture of them that makes arounds on Twitter from time to time and it never fails to just make me laugh. It's just it's beautiful. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. But that's the thing though. I mean, it shows like the kind of detail that, you know, of kind of level of thought that DDT put into matches like that, you know, like it's always something a bit extra, like when you learn about it and it just kind of goes like, oh, right, that's why they did that. You know, so like sometimes it's like on paper, it kind of just looks like, okay, this will be an interesting match. This will be good fun. But a lot of the time there's extra details involved that, I mean, if you're not aware of it, you're still going to have a good time watching a match and it's not going to make you 
like hate the match or anything like that, but it's like if you if there's other things like if you know them, it kind of enhance again, it's all about enhancing it. It's just kind of like all right, so we're doing this because X, Y, Z happened a while ago. Yeah, or like this happened and like people had almost forgotten about it, but this thing happened kind of thing. Yeah, it's like it's often that kind of level of thought that goes into the booking for matches like that. And it's just like, it just makes it so much more interesting. It's yeah. also funny because Shunma and Makurin as the idols makes sense. Yeah. Knowing current Mao, it doesn't. Yeah. But like, them I mean, like, being tired of being idols makes 100% sense. That's just... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, when they started making noises about splitting up, I mean, of course, like, the fans were upset, but they did actually make a case for it, you know? Like, you know, there were, like, actually a good month or two where they were, like, clearly over it. And wanting to do different things, but like, of course, in storyline, you know, they were just not allowed to split up because they were selling too much merch. They were too popular. <laughs> they were making too much money for DDT, so Takagi didn't want them to split up. <laughs> yeah, so that was just, you know, I mean, they just they made that story whole thing like a whole story worked so well. You know, that was just, you know, like they really put a lot of thought into that, and that was just it was great. Yeah, I love it when it happens. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely hunt down um, NWA versus the Brahmin Brothers because it is just, it is one of the craziest matches you will have ever seen at Coraclin Hall. It's just like, it is, it was just astoundingly good fun. <laughs> yeah, seems I need to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, so good. Oh, dear. Oh, um, mm. Obviously, we, we were talking about Wrestle Universe, um, and yeah. Gontro announced to leave Cyberfight. Yeah. Uh, In the Western like... world, like the mm. last time this happened, um, for the Western world, Basara could have also died. Yeah. It I is mean, still a thing, probably for you, because you can go there in person. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, because it's like, I mean, I'm still in, I'm in Basara's fan club, you know? So it's like, I still, of course, I still love Basara very much, but it's just like, it's very hard to find people to talk to Basara about in English, because it's like, outside of the, uh, outside of Japan, like, if you are an overseas fan and you want to watch Basara, you've got to navigate Nico Pro, which I'm just going to leave that there because I actually work for Nico Pro, so I can't say too many bad things about it, but I have heard that some overseas fans I will with not put up with Nico Pro. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. I feel like, you know, if Nico Pro was just sort of more intuitive or useful, generally, like, and it was just you know, if it just made it more convenient in a way for overseas people to watch, I think people would be happy to put up with it. But it's mm. just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they really need to pick themselves up about, honestly. You know, like if they want to appeal to overseas fans more, because like there's a lot of great stuff on Nico Pro, but people do not want to put up with that much nonsense to watch it, you know? 
And it's like, yeah, it is hard in a way. Like, even like as a Bastiar fan in Japan, you know, like, you know, like not all of our shows make it to Nico Pro, you know, there's still going to be stuff that we're going to miss out on, you know? So, and like, I'm worried about, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, they have said up until the time being, uh, for the time being, Gampro's stuff is going to remain on Wrestle Universe, at least. The stuff that they recorded as part of Cyberfight will remain on Wrestle Universe for the foreseeable. But they'd said that with Basara as well. So, like back when Wrestle Universe was still like DDT Universe, we still had a lot of the um, Basara content up on there. Yeah. And I think it's all gone now. I, I don't think there is any Basara left on Wrestle Universe. I think they got rid of all of it. Yeah, they and did. That sucks because there's a lot of stuff that Basara did before they went independent, which is simply not available to watch anymore. It is gone. It has been wiped. You know, they should it's probably just... start ripping all the Gumpro stuff. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I mean, keep circulating the tapes, guys. You know, it's just you know, like people need to be selling bootleg Gampro DVDs out of the uh, trunks of cars and stuff like that. You know, just uh, keep 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 to be able to keep people watching it because it's it's always something that's very sad to me. Like, you know, with so much content being made available online is a very good thing, but it can be taken away from you at any point for or sometimes even for no good reason. Sometimes certain videos or, or certain shows will just sort of disappear from streaming services and people don't notice until they want to see it and then they go looking for it and it's not there anymore you know like a lot mm -hmm. of stuff just very quietly disappears and it's like when stuff disappears people forget about it you know it's just you know there's an awful lot of pro wrestling history which will basically be completely forgotten within 10 years or even less simply because it is not available to watch in any way that people want to watch it, you know, or any any way that's, like, available for people to watch. And, like, I feel like there's an awful lot of stuff, like, that's happening in Basara that people don't know about because it's not as convenient to watch anymore. And I'm worried about Gampro going the same way because they, it's like, I mean, you know, like, uh, I often screech about people should watch Gampro more. I want pe I want more eyes on Gampro, but if like if it means that you know if I'm going independent means that their videos do not go on cyber on they don't go on Wrestle Universe anymore, and obviously that's going to be the case eventually. <laughs> it's like what are they going to do about it? You know because having it on Nico Pro isn't necessarily the best solution. <laughs> And I feel like I, you know, uh, as someone who loves Gunpro very much and wants more people to watch it, going on to Nico Pro seems like not a great idea because, like, a lot of people outside of Japan do not like it very much. So, yeah. Do people in Japan like it, or are I mean, they just the, used to it? Right. Just, I mean, people in Japan seem to be much more willing to put up with nonsense if it means like they get what they want eventually so like Gampro okay. does okay i mean nickel pro does quite well in japan as far as i can tell you know so like you know i i think it's you know because like nickel pro is very old school it's been yeah. the same way for like a very long time 
and it's like you know, it has Japanese quality to make it more accessible. It hasn't really occurred to them to make it more accessible or more convenient because the people who are currently using it have used it in the same way for such a long time. So changing it hasn't really crossed our mind, you know. But there are definitely improvements that it could make, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that it could like streamline or make more convenient or just make easier to or more pleasant to use. You know, and like it would be, it would do so much better overseas if it was more accessible or if they just up to customer service a bit. But, you know, they've got a ways to go. <laughs> let's, let's be generous here. Yeah. Like, you know, like, they, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a thing. Like, it's always going to be the way it is. But as long as they are making money and as long as, you know, they don't have loads of people complaining to them about it, they might as well not have a problem. You know, like a lot of people who complain about Nico Pro do not complain to Nico Pro. So yeah. Nico Pro may, likely does not know about its overseas reputation. And it's like, you know, I mean, a, a problem is as the person running their English account. If people come at me with all the complaints and stuff, there's nothing I can do to about it. You know, but <laughs> complaining to the channel themselves. All I can really do is sort of maybe tr perhaps I can translate it and pass it on. But that also means more work for me personally. So help. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, you know, people, like, you know, I uh, people do need to complain more. Complaining okay. will get you everywhere eventually, you know. At, like, not at the English the logic that Karens operate on, you know, like sometimes it's necessary to be a Karen, essentially. <laughs> if you want if you want anything in this world, you have to be a bit of an ass about it until it starts working, you know. That's just you know, like I mean, we've got a saying where I'm from, um, at which, you know, it's basically like shy kids getting out. You know, like if you stay quiet about something, like if you have a legitimate complaint about something, you should complain. You know, like if you feel like something could be better, you should, you know, voice that, you know, and they tell, you know, tell people what they could be doing. But I mean, especially when it's a business, you know, like you, you, it, it's like, you know, people could be more like, you know, Nico Pro, I want to love you, but come on, guys, yeah, sort it out. <laughs> and just sort of explain to them, like, you know, what they could be doing better, you know, ways that it could be making more money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very complicated thing, but other than that, yeah, just, yeah, just, People should just complain more. That's all it is. <laughs> okay, okay, noted. <laughs> <laughs> what I've seen most, and what I'm also of the opinion is that I hope <laughs> that they boot up like the YouTube membership thing. Yeah, yeah, that would be actually very good. I mean, because like I I the I, the picture quality on a lot of YouTube um of, on a lot of Nico Pro shows is, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and just like the accessibility thing as well. Like, you know, like I feel like they should be putting more stuff up on YouTube or like just 
have something that makes it more accessible. I mean, accessibility is the name of the game. The simpler yeah. you get, the more wide-reaching of an audience you're going to get. Yeah, because and, and if you're if you have everything behind the paywall, you're also doomed. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's like a thing with Nico Pro is like they do a lot of like broadcasts where of shows that happened like several weeks to like several months ago. But it's like if you want to watch a show live, yeah, having to pay like 1,000 or 2,000 points or whatever it is, like wherever you are, you know, like it's yeah, people aren't gonna want to do that, you know. I mean. People kick it, uh, kick up a right old stink. Like even like on the odd occasion, Wrestle Universe does a PPV. I mean, next week's DDT Korak and Hall was a PPV, right? Because of our Exile guy doing his debut. So yeah, like that's a PPV now. I think. <laughs> I don't know actually. Yeah, like I mean, that I saw. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really sucky, you know, because like. You know, everyone's used to watching it, like. But it's this is the thing, they're gonna make bank off that because that guy's really popular. You know, mm, like mm. I, I mean, like I, I don't know that much about him as an, I, you know, a, a member of Exile, but I mean, that's he is a good part of the reason why that show is sold out next week. You know, like I mean, a lot of DDT Correquins do not necessarily completely sell out and this one has you know so it is a really big deal that that guy is doing his debut um, um it doesn't yeah. look like it's a pay-per-view it's not oh that's good there must be some other contents in because i know there is yeah, maybe. some pbv content coming up but but i think it's just surrounding this guy so at least it's not the whole Korakuen show because that would suck <laughs> yeah but yeah, I like, am they... confused. Oh, because in the description, there's uh, on Rust Universe, there. Mm -hmm. Okay, there is a support ticket. Support yeah. content for Takechi Kaise's professional wrestling debut match. Okay. As long as it's not the actual match itself, though, or the actual show, I mean, like. There's definitely going to be plenty of people wanting to pay to see the extra contents of that guy. So, yeah, that's fine, honestly. You know, like, as long as they're not making the entire show a PVV, because I know some people were worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, still, we still have not seen the the burlesque show tag team match yet. Chun Mao yeah. versus Takaki and... Mm -hmm. And no one has ripped it. No one's we ripped it. No one's ripped it. I haven't seen the match. Oh Christ! Yeah, it's not good. Yikes! I mean, I want to see that see, so bad. There is some content like that which has just disappeared into the ether just because, you know, it was only aired as a PPV or something, and then it was never uploaded at a later date like we would expect it to be. <laughs> yeah, because like. Uh, Mac uh, Macquarie's proposal to Misaki as well, like uh, Toshimaen, like all those years ago, like that never made it to the light of day either on Wrestle Universe because that was aired only on uh, um, Abema. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did that make it across eventually or no? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, like, yeah, because, like, I mean, it's one of those things, like, sometimes those things make it across and sometimes they don't. And it's like, 
you, but you're never guaranteed to get it is the thing. And that's concerning. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I, I wish it would just be, because, I mean, at least with Nico Pro, you know, like, they'll air shows live, but then you will have a chance to, uh, you know, and the, for, the live shows are behind the paywall, but if you want to watch the show, it will eventually be available for free, like, you know, several weeks yeah. after the but you will be able to watch it. But like with a lot of like, you know, uh, with some of Wrestle Universe's PPV content, there's no guarantee that it'll make it across to Wrestle Universe regular, like after the PPV is aired. You know, there's no guarantee of that. So yeah, it's the same with like all stuff that aired on uh, Abema back in the day. Like a lot of that is gone forever. <laughs> you know, like we're not getting that back. It makes yeah? no sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a pity. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole cyber fight thing, like, it, it gets me thinking a lot of the time anyway, because, like, one thing I did notice was, like, um, after the cyber fight and, like, you know, cyber agent and then cyber fight stuff was announced, like, basically, it feels like all the DDT guys were told to start a blog on Ameba, which is coincidentally where I write my blog. Hooray. But, I noticed that recently a lot of guys who were blogging on Ameba have now mi all migrated to like a newer and slightly more fashionable blogging website <laughs> called Nope. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, okay, how do the cyber agent overlords think about that? You know, <laughs> like I hope they're not angry. <laughs> but there are still quite a lot of DDT guys keeping their blogs on Ameba. Like Yukinori Matsui still writes his blog on there all the time. And there's plenty of other wrestlers from other companies still blogging on there too. So it's still definitely worth it. But it's just kind of funny how a lot of the DDT wrestlers basically won't touch Ameba with a 10-foot pole anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But I kind of wish Harashima would um kind of blog a bit more often because Harashima, like back, uh, you know, I'm going to say back in the day, but it was just like up until like a few years ago, he had this semi regular feature on his Rameba blog called Hara's Kitchen, where he would like talk about something that he cooked at home that week and basically put the recipe. And like, you know, it was all just sort of very standard, like very sort of nice, like home cooked comfort food sort of stuff. But he would always do something like a little bit different. Like, you know, he cooked this chicken dish this one time and he said something like, yeah, the recipe called for 200 grams of chicken, but I used 500 grams because I really like chicken. <laughs> and it's just like made. <laughs> You know, and it's just like he just wrote about them in such a cute way. It was just like, yeah, I tried doing it, and it was really good. Please try it, okay? Bye. Kind of thing. Just that's just very, very Harashima, though. Very, very, very endearing and sweet, and just yeah, very Harashima. You know, just you know, like, and but I mean, he still blogs like on other websites as well. And, like a lot of it is just kind of stuff like. Yeah, it was my day off today, and I went to a park, and I found these really nice flowers. Look at them. Picture of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Harashima. He's <laughs> Michelle, I think we bring it um, to an end at this sure. point. Uh, great. Yeah, sorry for rambling so much. No, no. Nah, nah. You know? <laughs> yeah.
Uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. So thank you so much for inviting me on here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thanks for coming. It was a long time in the making. <laughs> it was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Michelle, <laughs> do you have like a last thought um, that you want to share with us? Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, I mean, one of my main motivations about writing dramatic dreams and those who have them in the first place was just getting all these amazing stories and history about DDT out there like in English, you know, like, cause, and, and you know, also Matt's amazing artwork as well. Like it was a real pleasure working with him on this book and I hope to work yeah. with him again sure too. Um, yeah, I would, I'd really love it if more people would read the book because I feel like a lot of fans would get a lot of enjoyment out of it and like learning more about the histories and backstories of everybody and you know also enjoying Matt's artwork too I feel like you know it's a nice thing to have <laughs> so, totally totally yeah. I will make sure to tweet it out uh, yeah, with like, yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, I'm always really grateful when, like, people, like, you know, send me, like, messages on Twitter or things like that going, like, hey, I, I bought your book. I think it's great. Thank you so much for writing it. You know, like, I mean, that just, that just brings joy to my heart, you know, like, mm, and just, yeah. you know, I, I like joy. I want more joy. <laughs> <laughs> more people reading a book would be lovely. So, yeah, let's get that. Let's get that done. Yeah. Awesome. Where can yeah. people find you? Okay, so I am ProResse Kaiwa on uh, Twitter. Um, you will probably see me, like, you know, live tweeting during, well, pretty much every show I'm at, but especially DDT shows get it a lot. Um, DDT actually have a no-spoiler show coming up in April, which is going to be really difficult for me because, <laughs> you know, yeah, I I'm not that. going to be able to tweet anything at this show, like, until, like, the midnight, like, after the show, and then I'm just going to be, like, it's just going to be, like, an onslaught of pictures of whatever happens. Yeah. I mean, they have, the only thing I've said so far is that there will not be, like, an explosion deathmatch. But that kind of implies that there may be other types of death matches. I'm kind of curious what's going to happen. <laughs> so a regular funny, explosion match. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's an, an an anal explosion match. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. But I don't like, think that's a death match. Explosion, because it's like it's generally Nakasawa or like Lilikoa volunteer to do it that one time, but then she ended up like not. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, if they bring back Eno Explosion, who are they going to do it to? <laughs> you know, so maybe they might bring Nakazawa back just for that one show to have him do it. <laughs> maybe that's one of the spoilers. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Michelle, yeah. thank you very much for thank coming so on. Yeah, I hope we can talk again soon, yeah? <laughs> sure, sure. And Yay. thank you all for listening to this dramatic special. Um, we will be back within the week, probably, uh, with a regular episode. Um, I don't actually know what all happens. We will definitely talk again about Dragon Gate. That's been a while. But yeah, look forward to that. Thank you, and bye. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs>